We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, joined by my co-host, Usain Koshal. We are are recording this episode on Wednesday, April 13th, as we are now just over two weeks away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. It is coming up quick, Usain, and that means means, uh, more prospect uh, positional previews as we get closer and closer to the start of the draft here. But before we get into our preview of this edge class today which, we'll, which we will be covering uh for this episode of the picks for polls how are you doing today man and um you know how are you feeling as we get closer and closer to the nfl draft here i'm doing well first off thanks always for asking i mean it's fun every week to go ahead and do this i just realized well we passed our 100th episode about two to three weeks ago so i just want to say yep. you know Thank you to all of our listeners, everyone at the Bear Report, all the subscribers, even if you're not a subscriber, like, you know, you guys are the reason that Andrew and I love doing this podcast each week, as well as our love for football. So just want to give you guys a big shout out. But, you know, I think just overall, my feelings are this is that I'm not going to, you know, over the years that I've done this, I've grown more into an analyst and less into a fan. And I think that this is going to be, especially when we talk about the context of the edge edge rusher position in the NFL draft. I mean, we saw Ryan Poles trade away Khalil Mack this offseason and got basically a second, another six-round pick for him. So it's going to be critical for the Bears because I think that, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts too over the last couple of weeks, but anytime you trade away a player like a Khalil Mack, a player of that caliber, despite the back and knee injuries, you better have a really good answer. And I think that that was Ryan Poles bold way of saying hey we're moving in a different direction but I think for Ryan Poles overall like it's time to show the results because yeah the Bears have been quietly active this offseason as I've said in free agency making a couple one-year signings here and there I think the biggest contract the Bears signed in free agency might have 
been Elkudin Muhammad to like a two-year, $10 million deal or something. But, you know, I think it's time for Ryan Poles to basically, as much as I hate using this terminology for a first-year GM, it's basically put up or shut up time is what it is for Ryan Poles. Yeah, well, well, first of all, um, it's just it's crazy getting to pass that 100 episode mark. I, when we started this podcast, um, I, I never thought it would get this far in. Uh, certainly, I was excited about the prospect of that, but the fact that we've been able to do this for so long, um, it's it's a credit again, like you said, it's a credit to all of our supporters and listeners for tuning into us um, and for our opinions. Obviously, I love to talk about the draft. This is what. Uh, I live for when it comes to NFL analysis because the draft is such a huge thing. And I'm just very, very blessed to be able to continue to do this uh, week in, week out. But yeah, man, I mean, you talk about where the Bears are at here. So let's give a little bit of a background here before we go into this edge class, which uh, I think is going to be a lot of fun to talk about today. Let's go into a little bit of a background to where this Bears edge group is at. Because like you said, uh, trading away a player like Cleo Mack is certainly uh, – it's, it certainly changes the landscape of this roster, especially at that edge position, which was definitely a strength for them. We saw it last year. Uh, Robert Quinn had a historic season for the Bears with 18 and a half sack, the franchise record. Uh, Cleo Mack was doing really well in the sack department, uh, even though I thought he was having a little bit of a down year with that foot injury. Um, overall, he was getting after the quarterback. He was still a beast out there for them. You have Travis, you had Travis Gibson, uh, Jeremiah Atuachu, like, uh, that, that edge group for them last year, even with the injuries that they sustained, was a definite positive for them last year. And it was the strength of their football team. And you trade away a guy like Khalil Mack, who was you know, a franchise type of player, a hopefully a future Hall of Fame gold jacket type of guy. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, you would think that that would make your position group a lot weaker going into this thing. But you look at the Bears and the state of their depth chart right now. I mean, obviously, Robert Quinn is still here. I don't know how long he's going to be here, though, because – you know, I think Ryan Poles would be interested in moving on from Robert Quinn if the right deal does come into place. I think he's going to be patient with that. He's not going to rush it. Um, but, you know, Robert Quinn, I don't know if he's in the long-term plans here. He's going to be 32 years old this upcoming season. Um, last year is probably the best we're ever going to see him be again because he was just so ridiculously productive in the sack department. I don't think it's replicatable, even, you know, even though it, he showed that he does still have that speed and that bend around the edge. I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to replicate that two years in a row at his age. Um, with that said, I mean, he could be very, he could be used as very good trade piece down the line here, whether it's, you know, before the draft, during the draft or after the draft, or even next season. Um, you know, he's certainly not a long-term piece, but still a very good player here. Uh, Travis Gibson, you know, a fifth round pick for this team in 20. 20, I believe it was, um, you, know, you know, he's shown some flashes, especially last year. I think he had seven sacks, I believe it was seven to nine, somewhere in that range, but um, had a quietly a really good season um, filling in for Cleo Mack when he went down for, with that foot injury, um, just a really solid player, really broke out. And I, I think the bears have to be excited about his development. You go out and you sign a guy, like, like you said, Al-Kadi Muhammad, who has a relationship and a uh, familiarity with, Eberflus from their time together uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Jeremiah Atachu is still here on the roster. So this edge group, you look at it on paper, while yes, the loss of Cleo Mack is a huge loss for this team. They definitely had downgraded this offseason. They're still in a pretty good spot. But like I kind of mentioned, you look at a couple of the pieces here, you know, Robert Quinn and Atachu, especially, I don't think those guys can be looked at as long-term pieces. Um, you know, Kadeem Hobbit, he's only here on a two-year deal. So I, I'm not sure, even sure if he's 
considered a long-term piece. And Travis Gibson, he was a former fifth-round pick. You know, th- this regime may not be as invested in him as maybe Ryan Pace in the last regime was because they drafted him. They saw something in him. They traded up a future fourth-round pick. Ryan Poles does not have that you know, he does not have that connection to Travis Gibson. So he may view Travis Gibson differently right now than the way that I think maybe many Bears fans may view Travis Gibson as a long-term piece for this team, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, that that leads me into the fact that going into this draft here, will this, you know, will the edge position be something that uh, the Bears will look to address here? And it'll be tough not to when you look at how deep and talented this upcoming edge class is. Because, man, I tell you, you said this is, I don't think it is hyperbole to say that this might be the most loaded uh, position group in the entire tw- entirety of the 2022 NFL draft, maybe outside of wide receiver in terms of depth. But at the top of this draft, it is a really talented group. When you look at the first round, even going into day two, a lot of quality options uh, in this upcoming draft in the upcoming, upcoming draft class for this edge group. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on this? Because I think this is going to be a fun group to talk about with, how many names there are to discuss here. Well, ultimately, when you look at it, I think this is such a deep and versatile edge rusher group. You start with guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then that just kind of trinkles down to the rest of the group. You have guys like Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, um, George Karlafidis from Purdue as well. I know that the big three in this class originally should have been Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and... David Ajaba, who unfortunately had the Achilles injury. But ultimately, I think when you look at it, it's very clear to me that this class presents so much to offer in terms of if you're one of these teams picking in the top 10 and you are looking to grab a blue chip edge rusher that is going to change the outlook of your defense for years to come. This is the NFL draft to do it. You know, when you look at the edge rusher talent, I think just overall as a whole over the last couple of seasons, I mean, you could argue right now that this draft class is probably as good as the year that Nick Boza and I believe Chase Young came out, which was 2019. Well, I shouldn't say as good, but I should say, you know, it's comparable to those two guys. Because I think, you know, when you get into the rankings here, I mean, Number one, I think, is the main consensus guy, which is Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. I think when you look at that Big Ten championship game where there were debates about is Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon the number one guy or is it Aiden Hutchinson? I think that Big Ten championship game, that what Hutchinson put on tape there pretty much solidified he was edge rusher number one. You just look at him overall. I mean, he's about six foot six, 260, so the measurables are certainly there, but he can play all over the place. I think that he is a four-down defensive end. You look at just what he did to the Big Ten this past season, a really good first step. He was the best player in the Big Ten, in my opinion. You know, really offers a lot of versatile pass rushing moves, can, can convert speed to power, has really good length, um, you know, and then you ultimately look at him just, I think what I love most about Aiden Hutchinson is perhaps one of his most underrated qualities that we're not talking about enough because we've fallen so much in love with the prospect that Aiden Hutchinson owes overall that we forget that the guy has a motor that is seemingly always running and is never turning off. And it seems like even when there's an area of the field where the ball is and that there's going to be a tackle that's made it seems like Aiden Hutchinson comes out of nowhere and goes ahead and 
is the first guy there. So I've got Aiden Hutchinson at number one. Number two, I think, is a really intriguing player. And I love Georgia edge rushers personally, but I have Trayvon Walker listed at number two overall in my top five rankings. I think when you look at Trayvon Walker overall, he's a really complete defender. He's pretty versatile as well. And I think that the biggest advantage he offers is that there were a handful of times where I watched over the last couple of years at Georgia where he was actually playing both on the edge, but was also asked to operate from the interior. You know, he's got a really, really explosive first step. And I think oftentimes the difference between a good edge rusher and a great edge rusher is that first step, is that speed to power, is the ability to have a variety of pass rush moves. You look at Walker, I mean, he's pretty solid in the run game as well. And then he's just a really smart player overall. So Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, my top two guys. And I think you could argue right now, knowing the way that a lot of these teams are bringing in these edge rushers for these top 30 visits, it definitely seems like the NFL is much higher on Trayvon Walker than kind of the consensus Twitter draft heads tend to be and just draft Twitter in general. But number three, I've got Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, Kayvon's such an interesting case study here because going back two or three years, a lot of people predicted he was going to be the number one edge rusher in this class. And again, he ended up at top three. So there's nothing wrong with that. But when you ultimately look at Kayvon Thibodeau, I mean, I think he's another guy that can kind of play all over the place, which is just such a common theme with a lot of these edge rushers in this class. They can play all over the place. I think he's got really good speed to power. He's got excellent effort, just a really smart player in general, and then just has so much strength to his frame. I think that when he gets to the next level, that he is going to be able to go ahead and really begin to fill out that frame even more. And that strength is going to become his biggest um, asset. Now I will say that when I look at Kayvon Thibodeau, the reason he is number three for me is simply because I don't think he's as flashy as a guy like an Aiden Hutchinson or a Trayvon Walker. Now then number four, you switch over to another big 10 edge rusher, which is George Karlafidis from Purdue, a bit of a polarizing prospect. I want to say simply because he has it all. He has all the tools got great power, can certainly convert that speed to power. Um, You know, I think that he fits more so into a 4-3 as a defensive end than he would into a 3-4 as a traditional um outside linebacker. You know, when you look at Carl Affidus overall, okay, length is certainly a strong thing with him. I know that production was also something that was off the charts. I do think that at times Carl Affidus is just one or two, like a millisecond too late to react to the ball carry and certain plays being made. And then ultimately, you know, I do think that the ability to kind of penetrate the B gap is just such a consistent um, thing that showed up on tape, which is one of his strongest suits. And number five is, I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, but it's Boye Mafi from Minnesota. So He's a guy that I think when you look at the reason I have him ranked so high is because at the NFL level, you are trying to go ahead and you're trying to project what a prospect did in college versus what they can become in the NFL. When you look at Mafi, I think he's got all the tools needed so to really go ahead and succeed and become a traditional outside linebacker. I think his best fit would certainly be a three, four outside linebacker. The athleticism I think is really prevalent on tape as is his ability to go ahead and move. 
and kind of just be able to play all over the field. So he, I think, Mafi's a natural athlete that has all the tools needed to really develop into a top-tier pass rusher. But with that said, I mean, I do think that there are going to be a couple teams in the NFL who are going to look at him and say, yeah, he's a guy that certainly needs some development. And that if you draft a guy like Mafi, what you are essentially going to be looking at is a player that may not have it. Could see starting reps in 2022, but his career might not take off till 2023. So when it comes to Mafi, you're really going ahead and playing the long game compared to the other guys in this draft class who could be instant impact guys from day one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, with how talented this edge class is, uh, your top five looks completely different than mine. That's a good thing because, I, the, you know, the, if you want something from this edge class, uh, you know, there's a ton of diverse talent in terms of what type of edge rush you're looking for. So if you have bias t- uh, in terms of a specific type of skill set you're looking for in an edge rusher, you're going to find in this draft class and it's going to cause you to have a different ranking compared to another person, I would say. And I, I think that's the beauty of this draft class in terms of the edge group because because um, I came up with a completely different top five just based off of what I look for in an edge rusher. And that's a, and that's, I, I, that's a no disservice to any either of us, I think, because of how good this is of a draft class. Like for me personally, I have seven players right now um, that have first round grades in this edge class. Like it's ridiculous how talented this group is. And I'm going to list them all off right here. So my seven uh, first round grades in this class are Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis, David Ojabo, Jermaine Johnson, uh, Florida State, Arnold Abichetti out of Penn State, and then uh, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. So some of the guys you mentioned, uh, some of the guys, uh, don't have on there. So I'm just going to go through my top five right now. Um, so my number one guy is Kayvon Thibodeau um, out of Oregon. Um, I know there is some rumors that he may see a pretty significant fall in this draft from being uh, what was projected as the number one overall pick going into this year. He may now even fall even close to maybe getting out of the top 10, which is nuts to me because uh, I just think this guy is crazy talented. I know he's maybe not, didn't have quite the consistent year in terms of dominance, um, that maybe a guy like Aiden Hutchinson had this past year at Michigan, but you go back and look at his tape from these past two seasons, past three seasons, really. Uh, Thibodeau has just, he has all the tools you're looking for in a modern day game wrecker 
at that edge rusher position. He's got a great first step. He is very quick. Uh, he moves extremely fast. He can bend around the edge. He's got that long arm ability. He has the ability to convert speed to power. Um, Oregon used him a variety of different ways. Like they had him playing traditional outside linebacker edge. Um, as a three, four guy, they had him playing, um, you know, kick inside uh, to rush against guards. They had him dropping back coverage. They had him as a, you know, four, three defensive end. Like he was doing everything um, for that Oregon defense uh, position wise. And again, he didn't quite dominate as consistently as I wanted to see him this year, but when he was on, like he was on, um, I go back to his game. I just watched before uh, we started recording here, uh, his game against California from this past year. And he, I mean, he just completely took over the game and he is just, he has that game changing talent to him that I, I just don't think any of these other edge rushers have in terms of that athletic ability that he has. I, this guy is, he's, he's a freakish talent in my opinion. Um, I don't think he's on the level of a Chase Young um, or a, Miles Garrett, in terms of a prospect, he's kind of a tier below those guys. But um, again, he's for me, my number one guy. I go back and forth between him and Hutchinson, but ultimately the upside and the talent wins out for me for Thibodeau. So I have him as my number one guy. I'm sticking with him, um, even with you know some of the inconsistency we saw this year. But that that's okay with me. And all the other stuff we hear about, you know, maybe he's not the hardest worker or doesn't love football, or you know, the fact that he's into cryptocurrency as if that's a bad thing. Um, like, again, I'm not a huge crypto person or anything like that, but it's just like the fact that, uh, it seems like a lot of scouts are trying to knock him for having interest outside of football. That, this, that discussion really bothers me because at the end of the day, this guy plays and that this guy can play and he's really talented. And I, I didn't see a lack of effort for him on the tape that I saw. Um, I see a guy that has a lot of ability and, um, I, I think, you know, if the rumors are true, if he does fall, I think a team's going to get a huge steal for him uh, lower in the top 10 because uh, this guy's got number one Ed rusher, Pro Bowl, even potential all-pro upside uh, in the future because he is that good. But now my number two guy is a little bit more of a safer pick, I think, in terms of the in terms of having a higher floor, and that's Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Again, he only had that one big year. I mean, he, he was pretty good for Michigan in the two years preceding uh, this this past 2021 season, but uh, 2021, man, uh, this past year, Hutchinson was uh, absolutely dominant. You go back and watch his game. You talk about the Big Ten Championship game against Iowa. I thought his game against Ohio State was uh, ridiculous in terms of the way he dominated that game against both those tackles there at Ohio State. That entire offensive line, he just um, just powered right through them. And that's the thing that stands out for Hutchinson is his power, his natural ability to just push the pocket and just bully his way to the quarterback I mean he doesn't he, he is a good athlete but he's not in the level of the Kayvon Thibodeau so he kind of relies on um, his technique his hand usage uh, his leverage and his ability to just bull rush his way into the quarterback's lap um, you watch him he doesn't have quite the level of bend and speed off the edge that Thibodeau has though which is why I think uh, I prefer Thibodeau a little bit more because Thibodeau, he has that speed element to his game to get around the edge, but he also can convert that speed to power. Whereas Aiden Hutchinson has the power down. He's a little bit more refined in terms of his technique, but he doesn't have that, that, that rare element that we see from a guy like Robert Quinn, you know, who to get those, get those quick wins around the edge because he's so fast with his first step and he can just bend like Gumby to contort his body around offensive tackles to get around their length. Like, 
Aiden Hutchinson does not have that ability. He's not really flexible in terms of his hips around the edge. He like he he's a guy that has very limited bend, so he relies on power and hand usage to get to the quarterback, which is not a bad thing. It certainly gives him a, a high floor in the NFL. But if you want that upside, that's why I prefer Thibodeau right now. But Hutchinson, I think he's a worthy um, high pick in this draft in the first round, and uh, I think it wouldn't be a bad pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars at all. If you were to go number one in this draft, which is in question, which we'll get to later on in this podcast, because he may not go number one um, because of another edge rusher in this class, which we'll talk about. That's not named Kayvon Thibodeau, um, but that moves me on to my number three guy, um, George Karloftis out of Purdue. Um, if you're looking for, again, another uh, fundamentally sound power rusher, like Karloftis is your guy. And I like the thing you said earlier where you think he'd be better um, as a four, three defensive end rather than a three, four outside linebacker, because, you know, he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete for um, the edge rusher position though. Um, you know, he does have a little bit of a lack of, of speed and ability to kind of change direction in space, but you just look at his ability to get after the quarterback. I mean, he is relentless. Um, he can, I think he has a little bit more bend than Aiden Hutchinson, but maybe just uh, doesn't quite have as much raw power. Not as raw, much much raw power, but um, maybe is not, you know, as physically gifted as Aiden Hutchinson in terms of having that size element that Aiden Hutchinson has. Like Aiden Hutchinson is a little bit bigger as a player. He's a little bit more versatility in terms of playing inside and outside than Karlaftis, where I think, whereas I think Karlaftis is more of a pure off the edge rusher who maybe just doesn't have that speed element to his game. But uh, this guy is technically refined. He is an absolute beast in terms of getting extra quarterback. Like he can just bully off the tackles into the lap of the, of the quarterback with ease. Um, he, again, he's relentless. He's surprisingly quick uh, for a guy of his stature. And uh, I just love watching Karlaftis play, man. He's, he's very fun to watch. I have a mid first round grade on him. I, I honestly don't think the difference between him and Hutchinson is that far off, um, which I think is a little bit of a hot take, but uh, I really like Karlaftis game. I think he's going to be a really solid pro um could earn his way into being a pro bowl edge rusher um if he goes to the right situation and that leads me to my number four edge rusher which i'm staying in the big 10 again where i would have stayed in the big 10 um had it not been for an unfortunate event here and that's you know my number four guy was going to be david ojabo i have a first round grade on him out of michigan um i thought he you know he was a bit of a one-year wonder he has that speed element to his game but now because he tore his achilles unfortunately at his pro day which just it really sucks for him that he that 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 happened that type of injury to happen to him um this late in the draft process right before he's about to get drafted he's a guy who's rising up a lot of teams draft boards has all this upside in the world and for that to be taken away from him it's just it sucks I think it's likely that he drops out of the first round now and now I'm not sure if I can put him in my top five edge rushers because just because of the fact that um you never know what's going to happen with these guys coming off an Achilles injury so um Ojabo would have been in my top five he would have been my number four edge rusher had it not been for that but right now my number four has to go to Jermaine Johnson out of Florida Florida State uh very solid player um this guy just has a well-built muscular frame on him he's does a very nice job of setting the edge in the run game um he does have some explosiveness out of his stance um you know he's not the greatest at converting um in terms of winning with speed he can convert speed to power occasionally he's a little bit raw though um, in his hand usage and technique compared to uh, the other three guys I have above him right now. So that's why I have him a little bit lower, but you watch him, what he did at the senior bowl, he absolutely dominated there. I think that raised his draft stock quite a bit. It certainly forced me to go back and look at his grade 
uh, and look at his film and, and try to see if maybe I could change his grade a little bit because um, I may miss him because earlier I had him a little bit lower than some of these other guys. But after what he did at the senior bowl there, um, I went back, I watched him a little bit more. I studied him a little bit more and I came away liking him a little bit more. So he's my number four guy. I have a late, I have a late to mid first round uh, grade on him. And then my number five guy is going to be surprising here. I, I think he's someone who uh, the, is not getting enough attention, but I think he's, I think he's really good in his own right. And that's Arnold Hebiketti out of Penn state. Um, again, he's kind of like the opposite of Jermaine Johnson, Carl Office, and Hutchinson, who those guys primarily win with their power and their ability to convert speed to power uh, with their bull rush. Uh, Arnold Abiketti is a pure speed finesse rusher. Um, he's not somebody who's going to, you know, stack and shed um, and set the edge of, uh, in terms of the power element of his game at the line of scrimmage too often. Like he can't set the edge. He has long arms. So he does have the ability to do that. I'm not saying he's a, a liability against the run or anything. He's, he's pretty good against the run still, but he's not a power guy. He's a pure speed guy off the edge. He's got good quickness. He's got a good first step. Um, you watch what he did against Ohio state. I mean, he absolutely embarrassed the Ohio state tackles when they played each other early this year. He tested off, off the wall at Penn state because all Penn state athletes uh, just test really well. Uh, Evichetti, I really like his game. I think he's going to be uh, an under-the-radar player here. Again, I have a first-round grade on him. I know a lot of people don't. Um, so he's probably going to drop into the second round, and I think a team's going to get an absolute steal um, because he just has he just has the ability to rush the passer. He's got long arms. He's got a quick first step. Uh, he's explosive out of the stance. He can, he can you know win that speed battle, getting around the edge, bending around the edge. Like he's got what you want there. Um, he's got all the juice in the world. He kind of rem- reminds me, oh man, I'm, I'm losing my name here. Drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, played for the Raiders this past year. Uh, now he's on the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know why I, I, the name's escaping me. If you want to fill me in on that. Um, Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe. He reminds me a lot of Yannick. Yep. Yep. Yannick Ngakwe. He reminds me a lot of him. So I think he's a better run defender than Yannick Ngakwe. I don't know why I couldn't get the name for some reason, but uh, yeah, if you're, if you want to get a comparison there, uh, Abiketti reminds me a lot of uh, Yannick Ngakwe from the Naples Colts right now. So that's my top five, you said. Um, so again, a lot of talent here at the top, but you know, there is a lot of talent here at the top, but like I said before in the intro, this is a very deep class as well of edge rushers. So uh, I think we'd be remiss not to get into some of our sleepers here in this draft class. So uh, you said, I'll start with you, man, in terms of your sleeper here. So uh, who's your, who's, who are a couple of guys that you have as sleepers in this edge class right now? Yeah. So one of the guys that I have as a sleeper right now would actually be Ohio state's very own Tyree Smith. It's interesting because when we typically think of a lot of these Ohio state pass rushers that come out, we are looking at guys, you know, the first players that come to mind are guys like a chase young, or even a Nick Bosa. I think even Joey Bosa is in that category too, but ultimately, you know, I've got two sleepers here. So number one, like I said, is Tyreek Smith from Ohio state. I think when you look at Tyreek Smith, you certainly see the measurables that just pop out. He's got really good arm length. I mean, it's about six foot four, 200, 60 270 pounds so right around where you would want to be for a edge rusher what makes Tyreek Smith such an appealing prospect is just the fact that he's I think someone you could consider to be a hybrid edge defender meaning I think he can fit in as a 3-4 or even a 4-3 when you look at his film over the last couple of years at Ohio State I mean 
what you really saw was flashes upon flashes upon flashes, right? You saw him be a pretty productive player, even though sometimes the stats may not necessarily reflect it because we should always scout traits and not necessarily box scores. Now, what I love about him is this. He's just a really smart, instinctive player, really good first step off the line. I think that what you're seeing with Tyree Smith is that he's a guy who wins more so with his smarts than he does with anything related to football such as his physicality or even you could argue some of his traits you know he's a pretty solid run defender now when you look at his flexibility he's not the most flexible guy in the world so there are going to be issues with him trying to cut go ahead and basically bend the corner but when you ultimately look at him you know he's a really solid player and then another one I think that no one's talking enough about that I am certainly going to be looking at as a possible target for the Bears with one of the Bears' two fifth-round picks would be Cade Hall from San Jose State. I think what I love about Cade Hall is this, is he's just a natural fit into a 4-3 defense. He's not exactly the greatest athlete by any means, so athleticism isn't necessarily a strong suit, but he does play with a high motor. He's a really quick and agile player, and then on top of that, he's just got such a high motor to allow him to go ahead and get after the ball carrier, especially when it comes to those run plays. You know, Cade Hall's toughness really sticks out. And again, 6'3", 270, I think just a solid and well-rounded prospect overall. And I think what makes Cade Hall such an enticing prospect for me as a sleeper is simply the fact that when you look at him, I mean, I think that in the context of the Bears, a guy like Amad Eberflus would be an even defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. They could certainly make Cade Hall into a starting caliber pass rusher at the next level. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I'll stick with uh, Tyreek Smith here. He's another interesting player that I really like. I think he'd be a good fit. And April Flew's 4-3 scheme is kind of that uh, a situational pass rusher off the edge, kind of that speed guy. Um, really liked what I saw out of him at Ohio State. I'm not sure why. You know, he's getting a lot of buzz as a day three player. I, I personally had a late uh, third round grade on him. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent. So I liked uh, Tyreek Smith quite a bit. Um, as for my sleeper here, I'm going to go with a small school prospect here, and that's D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky. Um, this is a player that's been on my radar for a couple of years here, and you know he's a guy that I kept on expecting to enter the NFL draft because I thought he put enough on tape uh, 
you know, to entice NFL scouts, but he decided to go back here. He's a super senior uh, this past season in 2021. Um, but again, I thought he was going to enter the draft in 2020. I thought he was going to enter the draft in 2021. Like he's been, he's been on my radar. I really like him a lot. Um, D'Angelo Malone here, again, very small school guy, doesn't have, um, I think, a, a ton of, you know, hype going on right now with, uh, you know, his game. But man, this guy is a lot of fun to watch because the fact that, you know, his measurables, really impressive. I mean, six foot four, 240, uh, 33 inch, inch arms. Like he has enough of size and length. I know he doesn't quite look like it when you watch him play. He kind of comes off as the skinny undersized guy, but he plays a lot bigger than his size. But the thing that stands out for him is that this guy is a great athlete at the edge position and extremely versatile. Like this guy can play, um, you know, a variety of different roles for you on your defense. You need a guy who can use his length to set the edge. Like Malone, he fights his ass off and run defense. Um, he's not afraid to stack and shed blocks. Like he's not afraid to play that role. If you could beef him up a little bit at the next level, he can do that for you. If you want a linebacker, um, kind of be at that versatile chess piece where um, you can drop back in coverage a little bit. You know, D'Angelo Malone, he has the ability to drop back in coverage. He wasn't used like that um, at Western Kentucky, but I think he does have the capability to do that. Um, and then as a pure edge rusher, this guy has a lot of speed off the edge. He's extremely quick. Um, I think he's a very smart pass rusher. He knows how to set uh, offensive linemen up and, you know, he has counter moves. He's not just a one trick pony here. So uh, even though he was doing it against small school tackles, and I'm not sure it maybe it maybe will not translate maybe to the NFL in terms of being a dominant pass rusher. Um, but this is a guy who had over 30 sacks in his uh, college career. He had 11 sack season in 2019, and he's been consistently uh, putting up good sack production and just good pass rushing production overall throughout his college career. Um, again, I think he's a very good player. I compare him a lot to Leonard Floyd in terms of having that. A lengthy, long, athletic edge that can kind of just do a little bit of everything. He can rush off the edge a little bit with his speed. Um, if you can get him to bulk up in the weight room, he can convert speed to power because he does have pretty good uh, length in terms of uh, his arm length and that ability to, you know, just give you options with your rush plan because he can drop back in coverage and he does have uh, the movement skills um, and the hip flexibility to. Uh, you know, turn and play zone coverage. You can man up against tight ends a little bit. If you can you know, just give him some time to develop, like this guy has, uh, you know, master, you know, jack of all trades, master of none type of thing. I think that kind of applies to D'Angelo Malone here. And it wouldn't surprise me at all for him to go to a team that values that skill set and their edge rushers on day three here. And I think he's going to be a steal for uh, an NFL team that kind of runs that system similar to what the Bears ran uh, under Vic Fangio uh, to kind of play that. Leonard Floyd type role because again he can rush the passer a little bit but the fact that he can do everything else very well and he's a guy that's going to fight hard uh, he's going to play hard through contact he's going to play above his weight so to speak um, you're always looking for guys like that um, to be kind of that third edge rusher for you and I think Dan Malone um, he has the potential to be that guy and maybe even develop into a regular starter um, depending on the situation that he goes to so I have a fourth round grade on him um i've seen some projections where he goes lower in later day three but wouldn't surprise me at all if teams start to recognize that athletic ability that he has and we start to see him rise a little bit in this draft process where he goes a little bit higher maybe not in the day two conversation but certainly earlier day three in the fourth round which is where i have him right now so 
again, we talked about our sleepers here, you said. Now let's transition over to our overhyped prospects. And I'll start with you once again. Who are your main overhyped prospects at this edge class uh, for the 2022 NFL draft? Yeah, so for me, it's going to be number one is going to be Majai Sanders from Cincinnati. You know, it seems like all the love to the Cincinnati defenders this year is solely going to cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner. For Majai Sanders, I mean, I look at him and ultimately, you know, I just don't really see a prospect that deserves the hype that he's getting. I mean, I understand that he's got some power to his game. He does have some quickness and flexibility as well. You know, any. The thing with Majai Sanders that is really a issue with me is that when it comes to the point of attack, especially in the run game, that's an area where it's such a big red flag that, you know, you could legitimately argue that being a run defender is just not his strong suit and that that's really going to limit what he's able to do at the next level. Because some of these edge rushers, and I think we're seeing this more and more, is it's like if you can't get after the quarterback more effectively then ultimately what's going to happen if I'm sorry, if you can't get after the quarterback, you're going to be limited to just being a situational run defender. Now with that said, I mean, Sanders does have some capabilities, which is why I understand as to why it's team may believe in him. I mean, he can play both on the left or the right side of the defensive line, but then ultimately, you know, I just think he's a, because of the way that he struggles with run defending. I mean, I just think that he's an extremely limited prospect as well. And so he's a player that I could definitely see going in the fifth or sixth round. I know people for whatever reason have like third, fourth round grades on him. Another edge rush that I think is really overhyped right now is Ben still from Nebraska. I look at him and again, six foot five, about 300 pounds. So one of the heavier edge rushers in this class, but you know, you look at him, I think he's a, redshirt senior this year actually but again just a guy who I think is only going to be a rotational guy at the next level you ultimately look at him I think that he's just so limited into the type of scheme that he fits and he's not the type of guy that can convert from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and be successful by any means I mean just a player that I think overall really struggles as a run defender all right the motor is there but you don't always see that motor on and clicking at a high level compared to some of these other edge defenders so it's almost like there are times where still seems to give up on plays now in terms of his production you know he really has not been super super productive I know that when he early on got to Nebraska those were really productive years for him as of late though you know he really has not been a player that you look at and you're like, okay, absolutely. That's someone that's got some sort of upside. So, you know, still my Jai Sanders are my two overhyped guys. And I think that both of them right now, if I had to assign them a grade, I would definitely give them a low end day three grade. I could even see a scenario where a guy like still just drops out of the draft completely and ends up being an undrafted free agent. Yeah. So my Jai Sanders, um, didn't love him personally when I when I went back to study him out of Cincinnati. I, I get the appeal to him, you know, long, uh, you know, has some speed rush ability to him, but yeah, didn't fall in love with his film either. Um, as for my two sleepers here, they're actually two guys that were in your top five, you said. So I'm gonna give my reasons why I'm not as high on guys like Trayvon Walker and Boy Mafe. I'll start with Walker because the conversation on him to me is kind of getting a little ridiculous in terms of the hype for where he's going in the draft. Now, 
let me be clear here. It's not that I don't like Walker. I have a first round grade on Walker. So let's, let's just put that out there that I think Walker is a good prospect. Obviously, freak athlete. He was kind of used in a weird role at Georgia where he wasn't asked to be a true edge rusher. He was kind of uh, used as kind of like a um, basically a full-time run defender. And if he, you know, got after the quarterback, he was a byproduct of, you know, his ability to stop the run. You know, he, they put him in an interesting role where he played all over the deep, all over the defensive line for Georgia. And, you know, with how much talent was there, he just kind of, you know, to me, when I watched Georgia tape, he kind of just blended in. He didn't really stand out, which I mean, is not, not a bad thing, you know, necessarily because Georgia has so many freakish front seven talents that like, I mean, what are you going to do? Like the guy that, that Georgia front seven is so ridiculously talented and deep that some of these guys are not going to have as much shine as some of the others. Like, it's just a matter of like, if you, if Trayvon Walker would be playing at like, you know, a Clemson or something, I'm sure he would stand out a lot more on tape because, you know, he doesn't have, you know, Jordan Davis literally being a 350 pound behemoth um, just running over people in every single play or Devontae Wyatt, uh, doing his thing or Jalen Carter who's not even in this draft being as dominant as he is like you know it's just a matter of the fact that Trayvon Walker every single time that he stepped foot on the field for Georgia this past year was always the fourth or fifth best defensive lineman on Georgia and there's you know it's not a slight to him it's just the fact that Georgia is so ridiculously talented but again you know sticking to Walker here again my trepidation with him is not that he's a bad prospect it's that you know, he's getting talked up a lot as being not only a top 10 pick, but maybe being the number one overall pick in this draft. And a lot of that stems from the fact that he had a ridiculous workout um, at the NFL scouting combine and then subsequently at his pro day. Like this guy is a workout warrior um, in a good sense in terms of this guy's just a freak athlete. And um, if you're going to bet on the upside there, that's why I have him as a first round grade because he is such a freak talent in terms of you cannot teach that size, speed, strength, agility combination, explosive combination. Like it's it's incredible how freakish this guy is in terms of that entire package. He has it, but unfortunately, you watch the tape. For me, it just never translated to um, the actual football field in terms of his physical talent that you see on like a relative athletic score spreadsheet, um, like it just never, never popped for me in that sense, because even if you look at his highlights, like his highlights aren't even that impressive. Like most of it in terms of his sacks are just a product of, you know, stunts where he gets freed up and no one's blocking him. There's so much attention going to other guys that he just kind of, you know, gets the tackle, but he's not really beating guys one-on-one. And, you know, there are a couple of glimpses where he puts it all together um, and he just bull rushes a guard or bull rushes a tackle, or he takes on a block, you know, pulling guard and just completely dismantles it or um, takes on a double team and just makes them look like little kids. Like this guy is a freaky talent. I'm not saying he's not great in terms of the upside here, but in terms of consistent edge rush production here, as a pass rusher, as an overall impact player, I do not see number one overall player in the in the draft, like number one overall pick impact from Trayvon Walker. And, you know, I feel like he's just getting a little bit gassed up right now because of the post comp, you know, the post, uh, you know, postseason, but pre-draft process uh, hype from his workouts. And I think that's raising him a, a you know, 
above some of these other guys and raising him up draft boards because he tested so well, not necessarily because of the production or the tape, like his pass rush production was very mediocre at Georgia. You know, he wasn't winning a bunch of one-on-one matchups. Uh, he wasn't generating a ton of pressure. Um, this is a guy I think that ge- that benefited a lot from what was around him at Georgia. Um, and it kind of overshadowed his abilities to an extent as well. So it kind of, it's like, it's like the chicken or the egg thing. Like did, did he not have the production because there's so many other guys making plays that he just did not have the chance to, or is he not making the production because, you know, he's just the lesser player of, you know what I mean? It, it's just a tough thing to kind of gauge there because it's such a talented unit to, to kind of separate him from. But yeah, I mean, when he did have those chances to go one-on-one, he just did not, he didn't flash the way that a Kayvon Thibodeau did or Aiden Hutchinson or Karlaftis did. I, I didn't see that ability from him. So that's why I have him a little bit lower than those guys. Again, it's not that I don't think there's a lot to work there. Like there's a ton of potential there and I get it. If a team takes him, um, like if the Texans were to take him at 13, let's say they, they pass on an edge rusher and they want to get a guy at 13. Do I get that? Absolutely. I think that would be a fine pick for them. Um, if, if you're a team like the Eagles and, you know, the Eagles are one of the best teams at developing and identifying talent in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And they see this guy who's just a absolute freak. And they're like, Hey, I want that guy. I want to develop him. Uh, you know, we have a bunch of talent here, but you know, he's a guy that can do a lot of things for us and we can develop him. I totally get that. He has the, all the upside in the world, but in terms of day one impact, I don't think he's there yet. So that's why I think just, I, I think we need to slow down a little bit on the Trayvon Walker hype and just look at the tape again to see what this guy actually is. Now, in terms of Boye Mafe, it's kind of a similar situation where I think he's getting a lot of hype based off his senior bowl, where he was he was dominant at the senior bowl. You know, he did a really nice job in the one-on-one drills. He dominated in those drills. I think PFF had him as their highest-graded edge rusher um, throughout the entire senior bowl week. So um, that's a nice tip of the cap for Boye Mafe there. It was either him or Jermaine Johnson, one of the two. Um, but you know, I talked about Jermaine Johnson, how I went out the senior bowl kind of forced me to go back and look at his tape. And that kind of had me like him a little bit more than I did when I originally scouted him. The opposite is true with Boye Mafe, where, you know, the senior bowl, it did gain my attention a little bit where I did go back and watch him a little bit, but you know, I wasn't as high on him before and it didn't pop to me this time either. So it's one of those situations where, um, he's, he has gotten some buzz as maybe, you know, getting his way into the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I don't, I don't see that as being a guy that, um, I'd want to take a, a, you know, swing at in the first round. You know, I kind of have a late second round, early third round type of, uh, grade on him right now. And I think it's totally fair. Like he's got some, some potential to work with. He's got some traits. Um, he, he was kind of using a weird role at Minnesota, so I'm not going to use that against him too much, but when he did have opportunities to go one-on-one and, and rush the passer, at Minnesota, um, he just wasn't as consistent as he was at the senior bowl. I'm not sure what the case was there because obviously the Big Ten does have some pretty good tackles um, and they usually produce good offensive linemen in general. So that I don't know if that was the case where he was going up against weaker competition at the senior bowl and it just translated better there. Um, but nonetheless, like I just didn't, he just didn't pop for me uh, when I went back and watched him the same way Jermaine Johnson did when I went back and watched him after the senior bowl. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on him um, compared to the consensus. Now we've talked about these guys that were higher on, lower on than the consensus. We've talked about all the talent here at the top. So obviously you look at this edge class in general, you say, I think it's fair to say that there is a ton of talent here to work with. There are some guys we haven't even mentioned yet that are really, really good players that are probably going to go on day two 
early day through this draft that are going to make an impact uh, in this draft. Like I, I think Drake Jackson from USC, uh, Nick Benito from Oklahoma, like just throwing some names out there that are going to go high in this draft and I'm um, going to have some name recognition to them that we haven't been able to get to. So it, it, it leaves us with the question of uh, when looking at this class in totality, when looking at the bear situation with their roster, what should the strategy be for addressing the edge position in this draft class? Because I mean, it's, it's very rare that you can see a class as deep and talented as this. And certainly when you're you know, looking at the draft and you're going with a best player, player available pro, approach, you know, even though there are some needs elsewhere, do you overlook those needs to go with the best player available, which might be an edge rusher in a class that may not come back again for a couple of years in terms of overall talent? So I'll start with you. You said, you know, what do you think the overall approach should be for the Chicago Bears for addressing edge rusher here with this class as we get closer and closer to the draft? I think you absolutely have to consider taking an edge rusher as the best player available. And simply because when you look at the Bears roster right now in terms of what Chicago has at edge rusher, there's something to be said for all this. I mean, look, Matt Eberflus has a direct link to Rod Marinelli, who was one of Robert Quinn's coaches when both of them were together in Dallas, I believe. And so ultimately, I think that's one of the big reasons that Robert Quinn is still on the roster. It's not just financials and the 19 19- sex season like everyone kind of has been talking about all offseason but ultimately you know you look at guys outside of Robert Quinn Travis Gibson's a player that had that played in a 4-3 defense as a defensive end at Tulsa you have Charles Snowden another guy who played as a 4-3 defensive end during his time in college at the University of Virginia you look at you know Sam Kamara from, I believe it's Old Dominion or Stony Brook University, one of the two. Well, he also played in a 4-3. So the Bears have had 4-3 edge rushers on their roster for a while now. So that's why I think that while trading away Khalil Mack hurt this team in a way, that it is not going to be a group that's in as much trouble as people think. I still think that Eberflus is going to get the best out of this edge rushing group, but if the opportunity is there and you absolutely take it. And the reason being is this is because at the end of the day, Robert Quinn is not in this team's future plans. Guys like Sam Camaro, Charles Snowden, they are players that you could argue are going to open up training camp in 2022 on the roster bubble. And really you could make an argument that Travis Gibson's the only edge rusher that's safe going into 2023 but that's also because you know he's just young and he had a big year last year with some big shoes to fill with Khalil Mack going down so ultimately you do draft someone now I'm going to say this is that if there's an edge rusher that's available in the second round I still think you have to go and address wide receiver and offensive line but if there's an edge rusher that's there in let's just say round five or round six that has just fallen through the cracks and is the best player on the board, you go ahead and you draft that edge rusher right then and there. Because again, Eberflus and Poles have shown us time and time again this offseason that while they may have not tipped their hand, anyone who's plugged into the Bears like we are on this podcast and just at Bay Report in general shows that Eberflus and Poles are just trying to continue building through the draft and they will most certainly kind of sacrifice 2022 if it means helping the team contend in the long run. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, certainly. Um, when I look at this situation here for the Bears. Like, obviously, I would love to have one of these edge rushers, like, on, on day one or two. Obviously not on day one, since they, since they don't have a first-round pick. But on day two, you know, you have two second-round picks. So it's a situation where, you know, maybe do you spend, a, a you know, one of those second-round picks on a wide receiver or, or an offensive lineman? And maybe if one of these guys does fall to you at 39 or 48, do you take that swing in the draft on one of these guys um, in, in the second round there, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to it depending on who they target because it is such a deep class. Um, but again, I think the, I feel like I'm going to say this a ton and I haven't seen this a ton pre- for pretty much every prospect preview show that we do, but you know, I think it is important that the bears try to emphasize helping Justin Fields this off season more than anything. So I think wide receiver offensive line, you know, even a dynamic tight end option, if there is a guy available for them in this draft like that, um, those should be the, the players that they look to add first before even even think about defense. Because you look at the Bears and what they've done, you know, they've spent more money and more resources so far on addressing the defense this offseason and free agency than they have the offense. So it, it's starting to – we're starting to see a pattern where they're spending a little bit more on defense and they're willing to spend a little bit more on defense – and it's setting up to where I think they're going to have their emphasis be more on the offense side of the ball um, when we get to the draft, and they're going to try to build up a young core for Justin Fields to build around. I think that's going to be the case here. So I'm not sure if day two, whether edge rusher is going to be an option for them. But, you know, let's say they trade back a little bit in the second round. They get an extra fourth-round pick or even, like, luckily maybe even a late third-round pick, depending on where they trade back to. Could they maybe address that position there? Like a, a Tyreek Smith could be an option there. Um, I don't think D'Angelo Malone would be a scheme fit, but uh, there are some options maybe that fall through the cracks of them at that spot that could be intriguing. So I, I, I think there's enough depth in this class where if they were to manage that, I think that could be something that could be in play there. Now, let's say for whatever reason, um, you know, George Karloftis falls all the way to them at 39, or let's say that, David Ojabo, like he, they decided to pass on him at 39 to address offense, but for some ridiculous reason, he's there at 48. Like, would I consider making that uh, pick right there? Like, absolutely. Like, if Ojabo was there at 48, I, I don't know if I could be able to pass up on that because I had a high grade on Ojabo before the Achilles injury, and I think that's a player that you bet on. Um, coming off that injury, like, yeah, he's not going to contribute at all year one, but year two, year three. Year four, I mean, you're talking about a guy that has special pass rushing talent, so why not take uh, the flyer there? So it's a weird conversation to have. Ultimately, I'll sum it up pretty quickly like this. Like, edge rusher, it should not be a priority for them. They have enough talent there in the short term to uh, be good at that spot uh, in 2022. Um, They have some guys in the building there in terms of Travis Gibson who can be a long-term piece for them. Um, They can certainly fill out the edge group in the future, Al-Qadim Mohamed. Uh, is a younger guy as well. I mean, he's not completely young, but he's still in the prime of his career. So he's not, he's not an older guy by any means. He could be a long-term piece for them, um, even though he's more of a run defender than a true pass rusher. But it's one of those things where, again, offense should take precedence here as they build this roster out. 
But if one of these guys, if they do feel like they can get a good value on one of these guys that we've mentioned in the second round or even in the third round, I'm not, I'm not opposed to taking a swing there because edge rusher and the pass rush is still a really important thing to have um, for your roster here in terms of the overall construction of it. And, you know, having a dominant pass rush is not a bad thing to have here, even though, yeah, it doesn't help Justin Fields in the, in the short term. But again, I think Ryan Poles has made it known that, you know, he's looking to build out the entire roster. Um, and while he wants to support Fields, he's got to think about the health of the overall roster as well uh, when making decisions like this. So again, it's all about um, the value here and what guys are available. And I, I think that kind of sums it up. Um, so with, with that said, I think that's a good point to wrap it up here for us here uh, for this episode of the Picks for Polls podcast. Uh, for all of our listeners out there, once again, thank you all for getting us to over 100 episodes. Like I cannot thank you enough. That is an awesome accomplishment, I think, uh, for this podcast. And um, I just want to say that if you're new to this podcast, make sure to like, rate, and subscribe to us on all podcasting platforms because it really does go a long way towards building this up and and getting this out there and you know giving us good feedback so i really appreciate all of that um in terms of following us on social media make sure to follow us on twitter at picks for polls to get all of our updates as we get closer and closer to the draft um certainly it's a really exciting time here as we get closer to that date only two weeks away um, in terms of you said, in terms of where our listeners can find you, where can they follow you on Twitter and where can they find your work? Yeah, guys, so you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Colts. You can check out my work on the Bear Report. I know we're going to have, I'm going to have a couple articles coming out before the draft, just detailing some offensive tackle prospects that would make sense for the Bears in round two and three. So just keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks. And like Andrew said, keep it locked in right here to the podcast, especially during draft weekend, because we're going to have possibly a live stream going on, some other really cool stuff too. Yeah, we have, we have a ton plan for uh, the upcoming draft. We're still finalizing some things, but we're definitely looking to experiment and try some different things out as we get to this draft. Obviously, we have our positional previews to get through here, but also uh, potentially you know, getting one more mock draft in. You know, then when the draft rolls around, we're hoping to have a ton of coverage there. So make sure to key into all that stuff uh, for us here. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Uh, you can find my work in the Bear Report. I have been... Uh, getting some scouting reports out there as well. I got a few more planned out as we get closer uh, to the draft and as we get uh, through these next couple of weeks. Right now, I believe I have three scouting reports out. I got one on Kelvin Austin out of Memphis, wide receiver. I got one on Danny Gray out of SMU as a wide receiver. And then just recently today, I released a scouting report on Bernard Raymond uh, out of Central Michigan at Offensive Tackle, who we talked about in our Offensive Line Preview, which you can go check out. But if you want to get that quick scouting report, uh, go check that out, the pair report. And then, you know, I'm not sure when we'll have this posted, but by the time this is posted, I might have another uh, scouting report out as well you know, looking at the offensive line. So if you want to check that out, make sure to stay tuned uh, to the Bear Report for all of that. Uh, once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, I thought this was a fun episode to talk about these edge rushers. Our next episode is going to focus on the defensive line. So um, getting out all these pass rushers here, uh, certainly a big part of the draft process. Certainly one of my favorite uh, parts to analyze and study here when looking at uh, scouting the NFL draft. So uh, again, once again, Thank you all for tuning in. I hope everyone has a safe and healthy weekend and bear Donald bears fans, because we're almost there to the draft guys. Just hang in for a little bit longer, but until next time, bears fans have a great weekend and bear down. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com